guys? Welcome to another episode of the Meaning of Podcast. I am Ace. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about all your favorite film directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And this episode is a very special episode because we're going to be talking about a younger director, a director who has a smaller filmography, but a director that has had an impact on Hollywood already, and that is Damien Chazelle. We're going to be talking about his new movie in theaters now, First Man. We're going to be giving our short, brief review on that movie. We're going to be giving our hot takes on that movie. I'm sure RB3 has a few, because that's what he does. He just, really? He's got a pocket full of hot takes, hot takes, and he's just pimping them out, tossing them all over the air. Like, like it's raining hot takes, man. It's raining takes. That's what uh, RB3 does. We're going to be uh, doing all that great stuff. But before we do that, we're going to read your comments. But before we even do that, I want to give a shout out to RB3 with... Uh, your new short film, man. Oh, Flick Ticks. Tick. Thank you, man. I appreciate Flick that. Flick Tick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, you, you pronounced it. Uh, we'll figure out the pronunciation. Yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Flick Ticks. I, I don't really know exactly how to pronounce it's it. It's Flick so. Ticks, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. With CK. Yeah. You got a. You got the great Ken Knapsack yeah. in the leading role. You got supporting role of a intern Max and and, and Max. Topster, yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, we 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 make a cameo. A cameo. Appearance. But supporting but supporting oh, role, yeah, Max. it's Max. Yeah. Max uh, you make an appearance as an investor in there, man. Yeah, I don't want to, but there's nobody else available. So <laughs> you got a good cast, man. Your homie, uh, what's his what's his name? Kate, is Kate. it Kate? Yeah, Kate. Kate. He's okay. Yeah, he's my buddy, and uh, we were just on Knapsack Files. That's too. great, That's man. Out today too. So if you haven't done so already, go check out Flick Ticks on YouTube. Yeah. What's your YouTube channel called again? Is it Burning Ashes? Burning uh, Ash? Oh, it's just it's just my name. So oh yeah, just, Robert Butler. Yeah, Robert Butler there. Got and it. I'm pretty, I'm gonna put the link in the description. So oh, there you go. If you're listening on iTunes too, it's gonna be there as well. You don't even have to yeah. type it in guys I mean, type it in it's right there it's right there you can just come to the youtube page and if you want guys you can leave us a comment on the yeah. youtube page too hey. and if you do we might read your comment kind of like we're doing right now from last week's episode where we talked about john carpenter with copster hey. shout out to copster copster uh, movie ace says i think people are too used to the overly po- polished cliche hollywood studio movies would react negative negatively to the auteurs of the 70s and 80s like do palma carpenter cronenberg where they have distinct style and they and they haven't all done more commercial films uh although they have done all more commercial films got you uh yeah i mean a lot of it is style a lot of it is cuts the editing has changed quite a bit yeah i um, mean but you know like people like De palma and carpenter i always feel like we're ahead of the time when it comes to like you know, a lot of the filmmaking aspects. It's just it was so uh, radically different. And like you said, it became more polished over time. Like over time, you know, uh, over time people took the Palma style and then made it, you know, like David Fincher, for example. David Fincher mm-hmm. is a prime example of somebody who's directly influenced by David De Palma. But instead of doing the crazy zooms and the the the, the weirder aspects that um, that that um, directors are doing now. That yeah, I mean, you know, that that uh, De Palma was doing. Oh. Uh, Fincher kind of reinterprets that into his own kind of style, his mm. own kind of mythology, and I think that's the same with like a lot of directors from that time too. So, um, I mean, even you know, even when we're going back and rewatching the old John Carpenter movies, you could definitely see the modern influence that John Carpenter has now on a lot of modern horror directors. But because mm. the technique has taken more time to develop and and season be seasoned over time. Yeah, it's a lot more polished now. It is. It's it's interesting what has changed. I think look has changed quite a bit, especially when it comes to the word stylistic, right? When it comes to that word, we think of Tarantino, we think of Snyder, we think of directors who are 
very much doing something over the top on purpose. I don't know if that's the right word, over the top, but doing something very distinct on purpose, like a Snyder, like a Tarantino. I don't know what's another director you can call stylistic, but there's a ton of them. that yeah. Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright. That's a perfect example of, of people who are making something a little bit extra on purpose to, to, to get audiences to kind of relate to that little extra, whatever, if it's Snyder, Tarantino, Edgar yeah. Wright, that little extra amount that audiences like. Audiences yeah. like to personality, have personality, you know? yeah. to have that little little extra in there. And I think, Carp- like you said, Carpenter had that too. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to Movie Ace. Uh, Montgomery Jackson says, were either of these guys born in the early 80s? <laughs> no, Montgomery Jackson. And I don't really think it matters, man. Again, <laughs> I don't know if, Was that a compliment or an insult? Or it was it? definitely an insult. <laughs> uh, right. At least that's how I take it. I mean, I've, we've talked a lot about it. Uh, at least I've talked a lot about it on this podcast about how this, this weird misconception of like intelligence related to age or like... I don't know, like experience related to age or where it's like, oh, these guys can't talk about the movies because they weren't born in the 60s. And it's like, dude, no, come on, stop, stop. We don't need 50-year-old dudes telling us the same thing over and over again just because they saw the movie in theaters. It doesn't mean your opinion on the movie is better than my opinion or it's more qualified than my opinion because you saw the movie in theaters. Yeah, That's just my take, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't don't really know, like, especially – for people who are like from the 80s, don't you care more about like people who weren't from that time, like talking about your movies? Because yeah. like, I, I think people, hey. we live in a society now where it's just reinforcement, right? We just want to be around people who think the same way we do and who have the same opinions we have. Mm. So I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with older movies. I don't know. I, I, I there is a, I've, again, I've, like I've said it a million times, there is a weird, odd fascination with people who, are older talking about the movies that were older. And I don't know why that is the case, because I feel like, if anything, people who are older should appreciate the younger generation who is appreciating the movies you grew up with, that's right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm Shouldn't saying. Shouldn't you like, be like, oh, these, these kids are actually liking our movies, or my movies. Like, this is my era, and they're liking it. I think that would be a little bit more of a better opinion. I don't know. Yeah, Gen, Gen X is trash. Yeah, for well, millennials, <laughs> millennials too. I mean, that's millennial generation, right? Like, yeah, you're born uh, in the '80s or whatever. No, that's also I, technically. Well, uh, no, because I'm a millennial too, so I, oh, okay. I forget. If yeah. you're born like someone, I don't know, whatever. Anybody born you're in all the 80s trash. Is trash. <laughs> yeah. Anybody born in the '80s is trash. Yeah, anyone in the '80s trash. '80s '73 says, "I think Day Live is still my favorite Carpenter movie. If you haven't checked out Cigarette Burns from the Masters of Horror anthology, it's a true masterpiece." Yeah. Huh. I don't think I've heard of that. Have I you? guess that's one of uh, his more offshoot. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we talked quite a bit about Day Live because I feel like that's, like I said in last week's episode, is his most very on the nose, not subtle movie that he has on his resume. At least I think it's his most like on the nose type movie. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it's also his most like anti-capitalism movie too like we yeah. discussed last week so. w- w- with his messaging with his you know what he's trying to say in his movies because that's kind of the whole point of this podcast i feel like they live is the one that's like it's not telling you what he's trying to say it's screaming at you what he's trying to say yeah which is great i think that works from time to time uh now let's get into this week's episode where we will be talking about damien chazelle uh as i said earlier damien chazelle just has a movie in theaters called first man it just came out this weekend and that is kind of why you came up with doing chazelle um on this week's episode and i can't lie man as soon as you texted me that i was like oh i love damien chazelle man i loved chazelle i've seen all of his movies quite a few times do you like a jazz 
I love jazz. Um, yeah, I know. It's like, I created jazz. Oh, you haven't seen that SNL sketch with Ryan Gosling? <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Oh, yeah, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. like, I, I made jazz. He's like smoking a cigarette and stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, no, save jazz is what he says. He's like, I save jazz. <laughs> Um, But yeah, I love Chazelle. I love, obviously, La La Land. I talked a lot about it when it came out that year. I remember seeing it the first night when it just came out, and I was just, I walked out, and I was like, oh, damn, I love that movie. Uh, Whiplash, I remember seeing that movie at home uh, and just being, going nuts, going crazy for that movie, because it was a crazy movie. Uh, And now, First Man is in theaters, and everyone has opinions about it. So let let me break the ice by saying this. First Man does not seem like a cheap movie, and it did not make a lot of money. So I don't know what you think about that, but for me, I was like, oh, damn. How much money did it make? It's, it's $16 million opening uh, weekend. I mean, that's pretty good, right? No, it's not. What kind of budget are we talking here? I, I think it was a big budget, man. Let me, let me check it out. But I, I'm either way, $16 mil, I don't but think that's, it's what they wanted. But, I mean, this movie's probably going to have a lot of like legs. Tw- 20, 25, 25 million would be like... All right, that's not bad. But 16 mil? Oh, I mean, think about other yeah. space movies. Think about Matt Damon's movie, The Martian. But that's sci-fi. I mean, this is not I sci-fi. Know, this is but a biopic. Like, how, about, how about compared to other biopics? How does it open, like, Probably pretty bad. I mean, 16 mil is pretty rough, man. Six, I think this movie has a lot of legs. So I think this movie, I think they, I think they weren't planning for a big, like, spread, like, initially. You 16 know? million, uh, 60 million uh, budget. Sixty million budget. Sixty mil. So they probably gotta make somewhere around two hundred million to break even. I mean, do, do you um, see it doing that? I can see it. I don't know, this, man. I mean, it's an Oscar movie, so it's gonna have legs throughout the season. Is you know it I mean? though? Because for me, I, I keep thinking about how the fact that a star is born is 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 a movie that came out a week before, and that's an Oscar movie too, and it's low key competing with First Man because it is an Oscar movie, and the fact that a star is born is doing way 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 better. But so, Star is Born has Lady Gaga. No, but you don't see what I'm saying. I'm saying the the Oscar people who want to go see Oscar films might go see A Star Is Born versus First Man, or might go see Bohemian Rhapsody instead of First Man. So I don't think the legs are really going to hold up, is what I'm saying. And I, I find that disappointing, because I like Damien Chazelle, and I feel kind of bad, because you you can tell he gave his heart into this movie. But it just, I don't know how it's going to do box office-wise. I don't even think it's going to have a great, uh, you know, Oscar run, or awards contender run. I, that's just my opinion after really? seeing the movie. Yeah, I mean, at first I was like, oh... This is going to win all the Oscars. But now I'm like, mm, maybe, you know, because a lot of people had a lot of takes on it. But I want to hear the most important take, and that is RB3's take <laughs> well, on take this a, movie. Um, first man. RB3, what is your opinion of this movie? Uh, I really enjoyed this movie, man. Okay. I thought this movie was uh, definitely one of, I mean, it, it, it's not necessarily to the heights of like La La Land or Whiplash. But, you know, you can't really expect somebody's like third movie to be that, you know, especially when it's not a musical um, and it's it's a whole biopic and everything, right? Um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it's funny you compared it to A Star Is Born. I think probably the bigger comparison outside of the opening weekend uh, to me is how close in style they kind of relatively are, right? They both kind of adopt this like really shaky, really close up, very intense, like personal kind of style to it, um, to to both of their subject matters. Except Stars Born is not a real story. This is a real story, um, and I mean I don't know. I mean I can only I can only really. I mean if I'm being honest, I can only really have a certain level of enjoyment 
for it, and you know, you're gonna think I'm crazy when I say this, but I said before on this podcast, I really kind of don't believe that the moon landing happened. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm gonna have a hard time. I thought you were joking when you said that, RB3. Yeah. I, I thought that was a joke. <laughs> so I have a hard time you're enjoying conf- the movie name oh first, my God. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't be that guy. Man, I'm begging that. you, RB3. Don't be it's that like, guy. Why am I watching a soundstage oh, of a soundstage? You know? This is uh, some bullshit. They're, shot, bro. they're like, oh, we shot on IMAX. It's going to be this premium experience. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay, I'm kidding. I was going to say, I'm kidding, bro. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we'll get into it. If you want to get into it, I'll get into it. Conspiracy <laughs> theory shit. Um, but no, but uh, outside of that, um, it, 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 it truly, I thought, I thought it did. Everything really well. I thought it was a very good, like, POV movie. Um, I just, I don't know. It just didn't, the, the ending kind of neandered a little bit to me. Sure. I think it, it ended in not as strong as a fashion as it started. But So you thought it was okay is basically your take on it? I don't think it's okay. I think it's better than okay. I mean, okay. it's probably in my top mm, eight movies eight? of the year. Yeah, something okay. like that. But Interesting. it's not like. It's definitely not like number one. I wasn't like blown away by it, you know, mm. but it was it was good. Yeah, uh, my first thing that I'm gonna say, RB3, about my opinion on this movie is holy shaky cam, RB3. <laughs> holy shaky cam, this movie made me sick. <laughs> I can't lie, man. I saw this on Saturday night and I had to get up early Saturday morning, so maybe that kind of had an effect on me. Mm. But I can't lie, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> this camera is like is literally like trying to make a move and like going left and right, left and right. And I was like, why? We're just having a conversation between two people. Like, why so much shaky cam? I don't know. That's that's my biggest thing from it, man. I, I it took me out of the movie. But you don't okay, wait, wait. It took me out of the movie. We didn't talk I, about Stars Born though. Do you think do you not like a Star is Born for a second? This one this one quadruples the shaky cam compared to a Star is Born. Really? Way more. A Star is Born had a little bit of shaky cam. This one was like Oh, shaky cam. But then, they okay. had like like literally classroom settings where it was like I'm the professor and it's like the camera's going and I'm like why we're we're having a classroom setting right now why does there have to be a crazy they just got out of, at that shake. point they just got out of the yeah but no you're just like, sitting in the classroom and the camera's going and well, I'm like still Whoa. spinning in their heads like <laughs> the whole but, time it, the the camera was like doing like vertical loops and I'm like I get it during the scenes of like the space stuff and I'm like okay he wants to put us in the shoes of the astronaut where you're feeling a spaceship and it feels weird and you're shaking and you're spinning yeah of course but when you're having a conversation with your wife <laughs> and the camera's like shaking like crazy I'm like dude this is too much for me I don't know if I can I can't I just couldn't I just couldn't get into it after so, like wait 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 I, I got wait so 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 here so here's my question when when you have that criticism do you look at a movie that is if you if you look at a movie like 13 hours right that we talked about yeah. on uh the Michael Bay episode yeah. and that movie also contains shaky cam throughout sure. for the most part even during the dialogue scenes right sure. do you consider do you, do you think because of your idea of Damien Giselle because you know that Damien Giselle is the director that you know him as that the shaky cam Throws you off in this, but doesn't throw you off in something like Thirteen Hours because you know Michael Bay directed Thirteen Hours. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. I mean, that's uh, that's one of my points listed already on my outline is the fact that Damien Chazelle is known for being very hands on when it comes to camera work. Right. Yeah. I mean, La La Land. Uh, obviously, he has his DPs that he works with, but he's super collaborative with his DPs. He's very very specific on how he wants the camera to move. So yeah, maybe that did have an effect on me, knowing that I knew this was Damien 
going crazy. Because, because <laughs> this for, was Damien telling his DP. He's like, no, closer. Keep shaking. <laughs> well, because that was exactly for me. Like, it threw me off initially knowing sure. that Damien Giselle is, you know, we're going to talk about Damien Giselle in full, but he's definitely a fan of, like, old school cinema, yeah. old school. So his camera movies are usually very fluid, very grandiose, mm-hmm. and very, like, non-shaky. So then the, the switch in style was very, like, off-putting to me, but then... You know, to me, it was it, it, it kind of came off as very intentional and very much oh, yeah. of a thing of, of of it being through the POV of Neil Armstrong, of it sure. being a, a complete like POV movie. And I think that's where I took my mo- most of my enjoyment of it is that the, the 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 aspects of the filmmaking all were pointed and directed towards making it a subjective POV experience. I one hundred percent got that right away. I was like, I get what he's trying to do, but you're making me sick, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like the scene where he's like, All right, you're gonna go in this loop de loop and spin a million times. And I'm like, Don't tell me he's gonna put a camera in there. And he's like, sure enough, he puts a camera in there and I'm like, ah <laughs> I'm like in the movie theater like going crazy. Cause the thing is spinning and it's making me feel like I'm spinning. Yeah. So I I get why he did it. He wanted to make us feel like how these astronauts were feeling during this time. Um, so I understood that. That's just the biggest thing that kind of like affected my experience of the movie. It doesn't mean I didn't like the movie because of that, because that's a stupid reason not to like a movie. So, um, so but okay. So what do you, what do you, what do you, you think outside of the shaky cam? Is that like, is that like, do you think the shaky cam downgraded your opinion overall, or I think it dinked it a little bit of points. I don't think it affected my overall criticism of the movie. I just feel like there was a moment where I was like, if 60, 75% of this movie is shaky cam, I can accept it. But it was like 95%. <laughs> and I was like, that's a little too much, man. I I, I, I get you, but I was like, here's a few points off. Uh, but the rest of the movie, I, I really feel like the focus is mainly the story. And the third act for me comes to the accomplishments. So me as a nerd watching this movie, because I'm a nerd, not everyone's a nerd. I'm kind of going into the whole like, oh, this is like back in the day in the 60s. The, the biggest takeaway I took from this was the accomplishment compared to the times, right? The fact that the scene where Ryan Gosling lands his rocket ship in the very first scene and then right next to it, you see like an ancient freaking 1950s car come up right beside the rocket ship. And you kind of, it clicks in your brain because you see that scene and you're like, oh, it's a guy in a rocket ship. You know, if I'm a kid watching the movie or I've seen a ton of movies that are in space, right? But as soon as he lands that rocket ship and you see that old timey 1957 car pull up next to it, immediately you see what J- Damien Chazelle is trying to do, which is tell you, holy crap, these guys are trying to go to space and this is the 60s, bro. Like, the technology is not there, but they're still going to do it anyways. And that's kind of the ambitiousness that I saw um, from these men that are trying to do the most ambitious thing ever because the technology and the time period that they're in is not enough to do what they want to do, and yet they're doing it anyways. I mean, that's the basically the whole premise of the movie, right? Because they, you see the explosions, you see the mistakes they make, you see how the technology of their time is pulling them back and yet their brains and their ambitiousness is pulling them forward. And I was like, that's cool. Like, I really like what he was trying to say with that. And obviously the moon landing um, and the experience of him actually being on the moon, like when he lands on the moon and he looks out and it has that one crazy shot of the reflection of the moon. And it's basically the moon reflecting the sun. Obviously, I mean, the soundstage reflecting the sun. Exa- exactly. Yes. Exactly. Because all this is fake, RB3. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. Stop, man. Come on. <laughs> stop that. Um, but when he sees that, then you start to realize like, oh, how would I feel if I was on? It's like that POV style of like, whoa, like being on the moon. 
you question if I was on, I'd be questioning everything. I'd be like, oh my god, God, aliens, all this stuff like going in my head. Um, and you start like humanity. What is the purpose of life? What is the universe? Like all these questions came into my head in the theater, and I realized that's what Damien Chazelle was trying to do. Was he was trying to like put us on the moon, and tell us like how would we feel if we saw this craziness? Like no one's ever done it before. It's just nutty. Um, Did you so see that, Max? I no, I didn't. No, uh, okay. but that's all so positive for me. Uh, the story itself it works. I'm not going to say it, it like you said blew me away, but it works for me. You know his you know spoilers, but losing his daughter that's in the first act. So um, losing his daughter, you know, coming to realization with that, growing up with his kids, trying to be the kind of father he wants to be, also also like being almost addicted to what he was doing and being like yeah he really wants to accomplish this he's on a mission he's like a one-track mind kind of guy yeah and to cut you off i mean cut you off but like i think that was the biggest problem with the marketing of this movie i I went in thinking it was going to be a movie about going to the moon it's really a movie about neil armstrong if they would have marketed that in the forefront i think it would have been a lot better agreed i i feel like people's takeaways from this movie have been mixed to say the least um, I think the audience score is way lower than the Rotten Tomatoes score. What's, um, the, uh, what's the audience? Let score? me check right now. Um, I just remember hearing that over the weekend, and I just I've I've been hearing different takes. For example, my brother, my brother loves Damien Chazelle, and he was like, "This was just not my type of movie." He felt this is him. He felt like it was too slow. He felt like it just dragged too many times. He felt like the story was like just lagging, uh, and a lot of people had that same take. I mean, it wasn't just my brother, so. The fact that some people were expecting kind of like this, you know, adventure to the moon type of movie. And what we got instead was a very, very personal story of Neil Armstrong. Just mm-hmm. very much like his v- personal story. Well, his family growing up, all that stuff. There's some political backlash too, right? That, that probably also affected the audience score um, as well. Which I, I definitely want to talk about too. Um, 88% of critics liked it and 61% of fa- uh, audiences did, uh, liked it. Um, but so, you don't think? Do you think a lot of that is like Republican bots? I did. I, I I don't feel like it's Republican bots, but I do feel like man, did I, that smear camp, that little mini smear campaign, because it wasn't really a smear campaign, but it was that this whole like this movie isn't even pro America. This is that's the biggest bullshit. Yeah, you have to watch this movie. That's such bullshit. This <laughs> movie is movie. like yeah. yeah, man. This movie's like the most pro America movie <laughs> I've seen in years. Yeah. It's super pro America. Like they're literally yelling out "Go America" at some points and they're like down with the Soviets and America's going to win, bitch. Like that's basically the whole movie is like super pro America. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that little it's really disappointing that they whoever said that decided to make that a whole like smear campaign against like you know, the right wants to, like, protest this movie because it's anti-America. It's not. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's very pro-America. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that hurt it a little. I don't think that hurt it as much as other people want to think it hurt it. But I think it did hurt it quite a, a little bit, a little yeah. bit, too. Um, I, I like in this movie a little bit um, or a lot to uh, Detroit, um, mm. the Catherine Bigelow movie. Um, not just in style because they both have a similar style. Like they do you know, the back shaky cam, shaky cam, <laughs> Detroit. Yeah, I mean, in, in film, in film school, they call it you know documentary realism, right? Like yeah. it's supposed to I- implement the style of documentary. Sure. Um, and I think they both take that style, but I think whereas um, Detroit does, or I think Detroit uh, is 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 a movie about the actual uh, incident in the motel instead of the uh, overall context of Detroit. This movie is not so much about the overall moon landing 
or the process of the moon landing as it is about the individual of Neil Armstrong. So it's, it's again, it's like, they, but it's, I, I take more issue with Detroit because Detroit, it could have been so much more. Um, whereas this movie, uh, if yeah, I feel like they got a lot of the historical context around this really well. I remember one of the scenes that was very memorable um, is, you know, when they're when they're having the montage of the people protesting and that that song, or the the one of the people playing a song that's like the whites want to go to space or whatever, yeah. right? Or what was I, that I called? It was like Whitey in Space. Why, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember exactly, but that's a real song, and 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 that's real. That's how people really felt during the time, especially in the 1960s. You imagine if that was happening now, dude? Yeah, people would go crazy. What's well, I mean, it's already happening. They're, oh, they're doing like, a space force, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. something like that, right? But kind of. I mean, you know, but we're, we're but all, I'm, like all, the idea of like spending all these billions and billions of dollars just to go to space when there's people who are starving yeah well we're we spend you know and i think that and i think that's what's funny too i think that i'd much rather have you know and this is just me projecting my own personal that i'd rather have uh billions of dollars being spent on science and technology and innovation in space than have billions of dollars spent on fighting countries that we have no business fighting you know and i i like that you know uh you know, the space landing in Vietnam were happening at the same, relatively the same time. Um, yeah, same time. And, but whereas I, whereas a lot of people were protesting Vietnam because it was uh, inhumane and, you know, um, and it was a war, it was, it was a offensive war against a, a people that weren't really attacking us to begin with. Uh, you know, that was, that was more of a merit of protest, I feel like, than, Having the the moon, I feel like in the long term we look back at the moon landing as a point of optimism than as as a point of negativity. Absolutely, it, it's it's you have to be a different kind of human if you're working for NASA, right? It's that idea of like advancing humanity, like this is necessary for humankind. Mm -hmm. Like everyone should be pro this, pro science, pro uh, space exploration, pro uh, you know trying to discover more and more questions that are unanswered and probably will always be, at least in my lifetime, will be continue to be unanswered. Um, but that's kind of the idea of NASA, the idea of space exploration, the idea of landing on the moon, the idea during this time period is to like, let's do something so crazy and, and, and in order to like further mankind into our expanding our minds, right? Yeah. It's the idea of knowledge and knowledge is something so important <clears throat> that everyone should be for it. Yeah. So I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I I would probably, like you said, be very pro this. I would be like, yeah, let's go to the moon. Let's do the science and let's spend yeah. this money to to do this and, kind of stuff. Especially now, today, I mean, there's no funding for science. There's no, I mean, you know, e even during the uh, Obama era, they cut a lot of the um, NASA funding and a lot of the uh, funding for space. They, I mean, they cut the space program completely, um, which is very, you know, to me is very unfortunate. And again, I get it. You, you know, you're trying to save money. Um, but should be saving money on these wars. I mean, come on, why are we fighting all these wars that we're fighting? But it's just like, you know, to me that's very disheartening because, you know, we have to think of the long term, right, the future. And ultimately space innovation um, fuels uh, advancements in technology that is beyond, like, comprehension, you know. Through the space program, we have so many – um, advances in, in aerospace technology and and civil technology with designing the launching pads and stuff like that and 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 and, and the landing stuff all these innovations come from from space and and the data that we collect from from you know research on Mars research on on the moon research from other planets and all the the space probes that we send up like that's that's not 
that's the most valuable information if you ask me, especially when we're, you know, especially when this planet is not in such a good spot um, when it comes to climate change, we we really do have to start considering the future, right? We're like, where is the planet heading? Do we have to recolonize on, on a different on a different planet? Do we have to, you know, I mean, that's just, those are questions that we have to answer. But, you know, to me, that's that's that should be a priority over a lot of the things that we spend money on in our government. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is something that's important and something that's going on now. And this is such an, not ironic, but almost kind of ironic situation that we're talking about this movie in this time. Because there is kind of like a mini war on science that's going on with our government. A lot mm-hmm. of people who are very anti-science for some reason. Yeah, are in, th- in the administration. In the administration. And yeah. I find that so bizarre. So bizarre. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the fact that... I don't know, man. I would never understand why people consider that to be some sort of anti-God thing. Where, as I said before a million times, like I'm very pro-science and I'm very pro-God. So it's not like, you know, like this weird administrative political uh, campaign that's being developed to kind of sort of manipulate the the evangelical right into believing that science is anti which is like the opposite of what (laughs) it's like science should be even more explored because of of your faith yeah well you know that's you know and that that is why it's the same trick that a lot of the right pulls with same trick they pull of racism and poverty what racism is is just a disguise for or, or what what being a racist is a disguise is a disguise for poverty right like the idea of racism is to disguise poor white people from thinking that they are the, the idea of racism is to make poor white people think they're better than poor black people are in the same they're in the same boat it's the same elites that are going to keep putting you down it's the same way with science they put this whole idea of religion against it only because anti-science is also anti anti-science is pro-corporation right mm-hmm. like corporations bank on scientific innovation not happening because they want to keep the oil pushing they want to keep the uh, you know the toxic chemicals that they're wasting uh, across the world. They want to keep climate change going, and they don't want regulations for corporations because uh, once scientific research gets involved and outs them for the bad that they're doing to the planet, uh, it's no good. So you know that's why Scott Pruitt, who was the head of the, who is the, I think he still is the head of the EPA, but I think he might have been outed by now. But I think he is. He is outed. Yeah, but no, he, I think he's still there. Oh, he's still there. Yeah, yeah. but he. He famous he before before Trump appointed him he was famous for suing the EPA a bunch of times representing the big oil companies now he's running the EPA the yeah. guy who used to sue the who tried to sue the Environmental Protection Agency is now running the Environmental Protection Agency and now they're cutting all these resources for research for science because of that and you know now we're talking about NASA versus environmental stuff but I think it all kind of plays into the same sure. like lack of importance that our government seems to have for science. Yeah, I've been I've been kind of reading up on it and seeing different reports on, you know, space exploration, science and all that stuff and and it's it climate change is is the, probably the biggest one that people keep bringing up in reports mm-hmm. that are very recent. Um but one thing that that is interesting that I see now is the the idea of of before the whole Trump Space Force thing, there was a little report that I saw, it's like a 15-minute documentary report talking about space exploration and and satellite technology Mm -hmm. and how uh, countries like mainly Russia and China are the two main countries that have satellites in space and that have different forms of satellite interaction. And the idea of uh, space warfare, they were talking about this before Trump, 
um, space warfare. I saw this like, I don't know how many years ago. Um, and the idea that the Air Force is kind of not also in charge of the Air Force, but also in charge of the satellites in space and defending the satellites in space. Because if China is tired of our bullshit or if Russia wants to really mess with us, they can just be like, boop, and just pop the satellite in space and leave us screwed um, for a long time. Mm -hmm. So the idea of technology, NASA level technology being used for bad is also a, an interesting thing that I thought that report was bringing up, which is why this whole like Space Force thing is already existed. It's called the United States Air Force. Um, and their whole point is defense against those countries that have that kind of technology because that kind of technology could be dangerous. I, I personally want to see more people of science, more men of science influence political atmosphere and influence- the Women um, of science too. What's that? Women of science. Women of science to influence these these men in power because I, I think this is very, very important. And mm -hmm. I feel like this film is an, is an example of, of accomplishments that can be done using politics and science, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what this is all about. It's political and it's science. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I just feel like these are the types of things that humanity should be, you know, supportive of and, yeah. and supportive of science because that's that's what NASA is supposed to accomplish, right? Yeah, science exploration. Um, my question now, Ace. Now, this this is a NASA movie. Hidden Figures is a NASA movie. Mm -hmm. And then Hidden Figures against First Man. Where do you where do you where do you where do you, where do you land? Honestly, Hidden Figures, man. Hidden Figures. Yeah, oh, I think okay. it's I think it's I think it's more entertaining. Uh, I don't know, man. This movie had some moments where I was like, all right. All right, <laughs> let's go. Let's keep going. Uh, and I can't lie, I was kind of feeling that, like you know, let's let's land on the damn moon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So you, um, you guys should have yeah. a little bit more. I don't know, man. Hidden, Hidden Figures was fun. I, I had fun, fun with it. It's a great movie. Yeah. Even though it's about mathematical <laughs> equations and stuff like that. Yeah. It was still fun. I, I wanted to ask you a counter question to that. Yeah. Is how they didn't really mention. Uh, the woman who kind of you know helped do this whole operation. Yeah, I mean, were yeah. you disappointed with that? Because I was. I was like, oh, I thought they would give like a cool little shout out. Yeah, I thought. I thought you know, I thought they were gonna uh, at least feature you know to some extent. But again, that was mostly that was a mostly male dominant. I don't know how. I don't know to what level you know uh, the those 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 women uh, at NASA had directly impacted Neil Armstrong. You know. Um, but again, I think it would have been easy to put some female characters in there, but, um, I think, I think, I think I do apply to forgiving, uh, you know, um, his wife, Claire Foy, a lot more to do and, and, and a traditional biopic would, I think would normally have her. So wait, say that again, she give her more to do than I think a traditional biopic. Would right. Have, have her. Yeah. Holy crap, man. I was like, that's the Claire Foy, bro. That's the queen, man. Yeah, yeah. And you're making her like, just, you know, kind of look sad. <laughs> oh, you don't window. think she had enough. You don't I think don't she think had she had any anything to do. Oh. I thought that's what you said. No, I think she had, I thought she had it. Oh, I thought she had not get, me, uh, man. She had like one scene where she was like, go tell the kids that you're leaving. And I was like, that's kind of, it. That's kind of her one scene. Uh, um, I, I was she had some good scenes. Nah, man, I was disappointed. I thought this I was like, bro, you can't have Claire Foy just be standing there. You got to have her do some shit. Is man. she British? 
Yeah, she's British. I, I do think her accent was not good. It slipped out once. It slipped out once. <laughs> I hope it slipped out once. I thought it slipped out multiple times. I was <laughs> there like, was Damn. one scene. Is uh, that scene actually? Is was she, she, yeah, she that's opens I, the door that's I noticed and she most. goes, "You're leaving the ch- children. Oh, children. Yeah. <laughs> You're leaving the children. I mean, children." <laughs> yeah. nah. And I was like, "Oh, damn, Claire. Yeah, nah. <laughs> she just came off set on that on um, <laughs> the queen." I'm but the, for me, I, I felt like she had nothing to do. I, I don't know. She had one scene, and I was I was disappointed. And that's the one thing that my mom asked me because she's a fan of The Crown, obviously. Yeah. And I was like, Mom, she was barely in it. Barely? Yeah. She barely did anything. um, I thought the scene when, well, I don't know. I thought, you know, and again, I I look at sometimes like, you know, when I I like a lot of cross-cutting scenes because that tells me a lot about personal stakes versus like big stakes. And I thought the scene where... uh, I can't remember exactly what was happening with Neil Armstrong, but it was cutting back to him, to Ryan Gosling, but it was cutting back to when she was first moving into the neighborhood and first meeting, like, the neighbors and how her her big, like, moment of first arriving to this mission is, like, becoming, assimilating to the neighborhood. So I thought it gave her a little bit of a story from that sure. point, and it kind of built off that as it kind of showed her relationship with some of the other families a little bit. Sure. I mean, yeah, I, I I felt like she she was just looking. She <laughs> you had wanted like, you wanted a Coley. Yeah, you were like, you're looking for. I wanted Claire Foy to do some shit, like straight up, like backhand some people. <laughs> um, but but another thing too, real quickly before we move on, uh, Buzz, holy crap, Buzz, man. Yeah, I didn't know he was an asshole. I man. was gonna say <laughs> the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like. Whoa, is, is, is Buzz like, was he a Buzz dick Rogers? to Damien Chazelle? <laughs> was like Damien just like, he met Buzz one time and Buzz was like, fuck you, man. And then Damien was like, man, I'm gonna make you a dick in my movie, bro. You're gonna be an asshole. Yeah, that was a little crazy. And I was like, yo, that's kind of messed up. I don't know. I don't I don't know Buzz, but I don't, yeah. was he really that kind of a dick? He could have I mean, been. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know enough about yeah. those, those guys. I but. just felt like it really stood out in a movie full of like stoic white guys. They were just stoic dudes. They didn't <laughs> much they're like yeah sure uh-huh yes okay we got to do it and that was all they would say and then buzz, and then buzz just, comes out yeah. like what up motherfuckers <laughs> <laughs> your friend, oh, just your died, friend died boo-hoo <laughs> bitch <laughs> i'm going to space bro he's like thugging shit he's got a chain <laughs> he's like yo i'm gonna ride that rocket ship like a boss bro and i'm like yo what's up with buzz <laughs> yeah buzz Aldrich, man. i know what happened but, uh, yeah tim allen's gonna play me in a future movie motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> Did Tim Allen play Buzz Lightyear? No, Buzz Lightyear. Oh, Toy Buzz. Story. Ah, man, that's fucked up. That's fucked up. And uh. I was like, yo, he stands out. Like, he stands out in a movie full of a bunch of, like, regular stoic dudes. He said Tim Allen, bro. <laughs> that's true, man. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just really felt like it stood out. I was like, this stands out, man. Like, he is a dick. Why is he such a dick? <laughs> I don't know, That's kind of... I, I feel like that's kind of messed up to do to a guy who's like a real life dude who's like can probably watching this movie hey if that's really if that's, if really, that's really him was, then, yeah, then probably, I, I support that decision if he was yeah. really a dick then i support it so but uh maybe he was maybe he was just a dick to neil armstrong and maybe yeah. that's why that was written that way yeah um, should, i know this is based on a book uh, I, is I it? yeah it's based uh, on, a, on, a, on a i think his name is jim something but he was one of the one of the guys who worked on on it, um, Damien uh, mentioned that in an interview. He said, "Oh yeah, in the book, this is all the retelling of of one of the guys who was working on this program." Oh, uh, interesting. Well, um, I know uh, this is also the first time that 
uh, Damien Giselle has not had a writing credit on oh, his movie. That's interesting. Um, this is written by. I mean, the credit is is Josh 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 Singer. Um, just just a solo writing, but you know, in this town, like you could you could rewrite a whole screenplay and I get credit for it. But um, at least according to the credits, it was, it was written by Josh Singer. So it's, it's interesting how um, the writing is is a lot different in, in this movie as compared to I think a lot of Damien Giselle movies, which for sure. are usually a little louder, a little more dialogue, you know. Yeah. Dialogue heavy. Uh, dialogue heavy. This I, is very dialogue light. Yeah. There's almost moments where it's like no dialogue for a while. Yeah, I, I love it. I love moments. I mean, I love it when it does that. I think that is very bold. A lot of choices it makes with sound and with style is bold. I love when they cut back to like the eight millimeter footage. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me a lot of uh Raising Bull uh, Rage, Raising Bull. Raging Bull. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> when I had those eight millimeter moments. Uh and uh, I love the use of flashbacks. I don't know. I like the lot. I like the lot. You know, for me, I almost, I again, like I almost was like so sold on the Neil Armstrong story that I didn't really. By the time he got to the moon, I was like, all right, this is kind of boring. Like, oh, really? <laughs> let's move on. Like, to me at least, that was that was me. Uh, but I mean, I thought it was really cool. I, they they sold the whole thing of like, oh, we filmed it on IMAX cameras and then they're only on the moon for like five minutes. I paid a whole again, luckily I had AMC stubs, so you know, or I had my flick sticks. Go uh, go get yourself hey. a flick tick. Um but yeah, I, I had my uh AMC stuff, so I didn't have to pay for the IMAX, but I can't imagine paying for IMAX and only seeing five minutes of a fake moon yeah. landing uh on the screen. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of it you're seeing Claire Foy's Face like this close to her face, just yeah. all the way up in her. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's IMAX for Claire Foy's eyes. Yeah, man, hey, I'd pay IMAX for Claire Foy's. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a great, that's a great, that's a great price point. Um, yeah, if you want to, if you want a Baron Moon sequence, go to uh, 2001: Space Odyssey. I feel Ooh. like is a the best moon sequence Shots to fired. me. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm, kidding. I'm sure it's very inspired by sure. by, by that too. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of space movies, man. Yeah, I feel yeah. like it's hard to like. You know, comparing it to other ones because it's like they're they're all great for their own thing. Yeah, that's just my take. Yeah, the first man was dope. First I, man, I, I I thought it was okay. I I liked it. I liked it. I I thought the the better thing for me was just kind of the informative stuff. That was just my opinion because I like learning stuff and I like kind of documentary style yeah. uh, movies. I love that stuff and I love these kind of biopics that do it that way. So I appreciated that the most. As far as the story, I was like, eh. It works, but it's not, like you said before, blowing me away. Yeah. But, yep, that's our review for First Man. Hopefully you guys can give us your opinions on First Man. What do you guys think? Are you part of the people who went to see this movie? The few amount of people that went to see it, in my opinion? No, Um, it's few, but... And we're not putting spoiler in the title too. We didn't spoil anything, right? No, but that's this is my thing. I was thinking about it as I was driving here. <laughs> what am I gonna spoil? We're, we're, that he made it really on the moon? Spoil, yeah. That he made it back if on Earth? Yeah, I feel like yeah, that should be a rule. If it's a real history event, like we don't have to put Come spoiler on, in yeah. the title. Especially so I was really I was rethinking the film and I was like, there's nothing to spoil. There's yeah. really nothing to spoil. Yeah. Um so yeah. So this hopefully you guys listen all the way through. Even if you didn't see the film, you can still enjoy our conversation on Damien Chazelle. Yeah. And we're going to get back into it with Damien Chazelle's first film. And that is a black and white musical called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you knew about this one, RB3. Yeah. But this is, uh, this is a film that is very, very, very indie. Yeah. Um, made at Harvard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's a film that is uh, kind of hard to find, a little bit hard to find. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to catch the whole thing. I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I think it's on Amazon, but I might be mm. mistaken. I think. Well, I had uh, caught some of it when he was doing the um, 
La La Land like press tours and stuff. And mm. uh, when I went back then, it was on I've YouTube. I've seen some numbers of it on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's mainly kind of what I've based it on. Yeah, yeah. Some but of I the songs and numbers that he created. For yeah, him. but it's very, mm. it's very much like pre La La Land, like yeah, that and, kind of and, voyeuristic. And what yeah. I should have done before is kind of get a little bit into Damien Chazelle. Obviously, he's one of the youngest working directors right now that is killing it. Um, I believe he's like 31, 30 something. Um, but either way, he's he's been killing the game. He's he's a nerd, like he's a true film buff nerd. Oh, yeah. If you see any interview with Damien Chazelle, you can tell like, yo, this guy is he's a lo- he's you know he's very much the kind of guy who's like bored and he's watching like a French film, yeah, like a black and white French film because he's bored. Yeah, uh, on a Saturday night, um, this is that kind of film buff, stereotypical kind of guy, um, and he. He's he's the kind of guy who turns on like TCM for fun, like Turner yeah. Classic Movies, and hey, he's just catching you whatever. Hey, everybody should, man. Hey, you should turn shout, TCM. Shout man. out to Alicia Malone, who's yeah. the host for the TCM. Yeah, um, uh, get Filmstruck too. That's a good. That's yeah. a great service. Yeah, he's the kind of guy who would be on Filmstruck like yeah. on a weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Filmstruck on the weekends. If hey. people, wanna, people need the login information. Let me know, man. Hey. Uh, I'm just kidding. Man. I'm on that. Uh, I'm on that Netflix on the weekend. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix don't got enough old movies for me, man. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but either way, that this is that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy who's very much inspired by uh, one of his favorite movies is The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Yeah. Cherbourg. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is a French, <laughs> very film schooly movie. <laughs> yeah. I believe it's a French movie, right? That French. It's a 19, French musical. 1963, if I'm not mistaken. Um, French movie that. Is 64, yeah. 64. That's very much. If you are any film school, you're gonna you're gonna watch that movie. Um. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of one of his one of his major inspirations for La La Land. But either way, besides yeah. that, this is the kind of guy who enjoys the French New Wave. He's the kind of guy who enjoys classic musicals. He's the kind of guy who enjoys all types of musicals. Mm-hmm. Which is why he wanted to make his first musical, which is this movie, a, a black and white, very traditional indie type modern musical because it is taking place in modern times with modern characters in modern settings um so yeah as far as what you've seen from this movie what do you take from it um yeah i mean it just it just it, i think it plays into the damien giselle tradition of do you like jazz uh, <laughs> hey i don't know if you've seen the boop i'm gonna say that a lot during this, this yeah i was episode. gonna say that's from the b movie have you seen the B movie? Oh, with uh, with uh, the homie Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, when he plays, the uh, homie Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> That's from now where you have to call him. Hey, the it's homie. not Jerry Seinfeld. You have to add the quote, the homie Jerry Seinfeld. The homie Jerry. Hey, after the B movie, man, his eyes will be the homie. You like jazz? But uh, no, my thing from jazz is uh, I was gonna say jazz. I think of jazz from Transformers. What's cracking, little bitches? <laughs> What's cracking, little bitches? My first lieutenant. <laughs> Designation Jazz. <laughs> man, you got split in half, man. <laughs> R.I.P. Jazz, bro. R.I.P. Jazz, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's how Buzz was coming out in the in First Man. He just came up as it was quick, little bitches. <laughs> rolling up, rolling up in the hood. Yeah, with his nineteen sixty three like Chevelle or something. <laughs> yeah. As soon, bro, if as soon as they, they cast Paul Shear as like any part, you know he's gonna be like the jackass of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Is, is that his same? name? I think Paul Shear. Yeah, no, it's not name. Paul Shear. There's it, no. It's the guy from uh from freaking Ant Man, isn't it? Um. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Is it? Hmm. Um, I'm gonna get his name right now. Uh, Corey Stoll. That's Corey Stoll. Yeah, that was the guy who played yeah. Buzz Aldridge. Are yeah. you sure? Corey Stoll. Yeah, it's right here on the IMDb. Oh man, I tripped in. Yeah, I he's an Ant Man. He's uh, I he's in it was, House of Cards. I thought it was Paul Shear from um, from fucking um, <laughs> no. 
From you know, you know what I mean? From yeah. disaster artists and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you're yeah. way off. Yeah. I thought it was really <laughs> This is Corey Stoll, man. Yeah, they gave him they gave him the posture haircut though, right? They, With the... He's always had that hair, man. And Corey Stoll? Yeah. Nah, man, he had a little hair, man. Corey Stoll, he's always bald. He's always bald. He's always bald. He had the uh, posture haircut, that's why. Either way, that's how Buzz be rolling up in this first man movies. Yeah. Was Craig little bitches. Yeah. But either way, I like jazz from Transformers and Damien Chazelle likes real life jazz. Yeah. And I like jazz from uh, the B movie. Do you like go. jazz? There you go. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's very not, he's not shy about his love of music, his love of jazz. He was very he was a drummer. Yeah, and then uh, his in room, a jazz band and his roommate at the time at, or his best That's friend right. Harvard is uh, Justin uh, Justin Horowitz. Justin Horowitz. Yeah, yeah, who's the composer of La La Land and Whiplash uh, and Whiplash, and he's also a musician himself who does uh, who did, plays jazz music. Did, yeah. did, did he do uh, First Man as well? Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, whoever uh, did First Man, score for that movie, 10 out of 10. Yeah, I think, it, 10 10. I think it might be Zimmer, Hans Zimmer. Is it really? Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'll look it up right now. But but either way, his love of music inspired both of both of his biggest movies, if not you know all three of his movies before First Man. I mean, think about his movies. It's, it's a musical, a black and white indie musical. It's Whiplash. And it's La La Land, all music-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, so that very much goes to show what uh, First Man, yeah, it's Justin Horowitz. Oh, uh, did First Man? Yeah. Yeah, I great score. Man. Incredible score. It is a great score. I absolutely agree with that. But but it's very much like I grew up around drummers. Um, back in my old church, I used to have some drummers. And my drummers, uh, one of my drummer buddies who's like crazy, 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 was a jazz drummer. Mm. And he would tell me and he would show me like jazz drummers, bro, are the hardest <laughs> like they go ham 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 and obviously we'll see that in whiplash but they go ham like it's crazy how like jazz is such a technical style of music where where it's just so completely technical that that's part of the art is the technicality of it um and yeah i mean throughout the whole time guy and Madeline in the park the whole time it's like a jazz type score so we have that kind of vibe that goes into it and you can tell that's what Damien Chazelle caters to because he's such a big fan of it. So it's a big giant love letter to that. And obviously the love letter gets bigger when we get to La La Land. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, that, that's kind of my big takeaway from it. And the fact that it's very much like when I say indie, it's indie, bro. Like it doesn't, you can tell like it's black and white because they're trying to save money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the shots are very close and personal because it's an indie film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I kind of like the, the fact that it's a it's a modern indie film where you can tell that this budget was like nothing. Mm-hmm. And yet they still made a pretty successful movie considering, um, you know, that it did, you know, pretty well as far as getting his name on the map. So I don't know if that's another takeaway that you have from it or if, you know, that's kind of your final takeaway like it is mine. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I agree. I'm glad that. And, and of course, after this, um, he became known as like kind of a ghostwriter um, mm-hmm. for a lot of Hollywood movies. So um yeah, whatever, you know, whatever this movie uh did to to to, to grab that voice obviously uh caught the attention of a lot of people. And he made uh he made Whiplash into a short. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um and he used that to try and sell it to different studios and production companies and different yeah. producers. And it was a short film that he made also starred JK Simmons and it was the uh it was the scene, it was just one scene. It was the scene where um, J.K. Simmons throws these, the the thing at at uh, the character's head. It wasn't played by Miles Teller at the time. Yeah. Um, but the scene was so good, uh, it won the Sundance Film Festival for like best short or something like that, or yeah. one of the drama categories for the short films. Um, so yeah, he used that to convince 
some investors uh, and of course the awards acclaim behind it from Sundance too um, to uh, to make Whiplash. Yeah, and um, it's one of those things too where he was working on La La Land even before that. Yeah, like he was working on La La Land while he was you know well, shopping La La around Whiplash. Been his, yeah, La La Land's always been his passion project. Yeah, essentially Guy in the metal, Guy Madeline in the on the park bench was essentially his you know trying to make a La La Land, and then when he was thinking of a more ambitious scale, that was La La Land. Mm-hmm. Um, he got rejected quite a few times from La La Land until he made Whiplash into a feature film because that you know got him the opportunity to make Whiplash. Right. Now what is your connection to this movie Whiplash? Whiplash um Whiplash was a movie that you know everybody hyped up obviously when it first came out. Um, I didn't see it in theaters because it was 2014 still in Compton, no movie theaters in Compton. So uh I really didn't um see it until that was that was and it is full transparency. I don't know if there's like any like federal agents like listening, but like this was right when like there was like when they had like all the Oscar like screeners that like leaked online or whatever. Like, and I, <laughs> I had to copy me a, a copy of, oh, of, of the whip. You know what's funny? Yeah. I did the same yeah. thing. <laughs> oh oh damn! I saw man. it like that too. Yeah, I, I saw mean, it on my laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was the only way I could really see it, man. Oh. That was the only way I could really see. It. I'm yeah. sorry, Damien Giselle. Yeah, uh, I did buy it. I, did I wasn't buy gonna it. admit that, but since I was, I was not gonna admit that. But now since you did, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I, got, I might as well jump in the pool too. I'll take off my shirt and jump in the pool. Hey man, I, I bought on iTunes. <laughs> I did buy on iTunes. They had on uh, when Lion came out. Yeah. They had Whiplash on iTunes for 4.99. I picked it up there, so I did not. I did not not pay for it. But yeah, and I, just, I and I I told my parents about it. it made them buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So hey, and I made them watch it because I'm like, you gotta see this movie. Yeah. That was my that was my reaction after seeing it, man. Yeah, it was like telling my I because you're right, it was pretty hyped up, and I was like, oh, right away, I gotta see it. And I found it. Yeah, uh, and then I saw it, and I was like, yo, this yeah, that shit dude, was lit. It was lit, dude. Especially, yeah. um, just the storytelling, man. The fact that he can go, he can make like a true character study type movie mm-hmm. based around the life of a jazz drummer, based mm-hmm. around the life of a jazz drummer student who is obsessed mm-hmm. uh, with becoming the best drummer there is. That That's just plain and simple. There's nothing more to it other than he wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it's it's the idea of this like masculine nature to to be the king of your domain, right? It's mm. it's I, I, that's how I territory. Yeah, it's that that's what I took from it. At least for me, it's the idea of like I'm I'm gonna be the king of this zone, this bubble, whatever it is. And he does that by practicing, by becoming the best, by competing, by being an asshole to other people who who might not feel the same way. And you get that all basically in that dinner uh, scene in this movie when he's talking to, I think it's his brothers or his cousins, I forget. I think it's, uh, I don't know. His brothers or his cousins. Or it's like family friends or family something like friends. that. Something, I can't remember. I know what you're talking about. And he about, basically though. kind of scoffs at them by saying like, oh, you guys, you guys are doing bullshit shit. Yeah. I'm doing top level stuff. I'm doing stuff that's going to make me a name, make all me right. famous, make me a king. Right. He wants the crown. Right. Uh, and and right in that scene, you get it. It clicks in your head that oh, this is this kind of guy. It's mm-hmm. the kind of guy who wants to be the best, and yeah. and that's so fascinating to me because that's I don't know. To me, that's like a an interesting character study to see the mind inside of this young guy who is like listening to the greats to be the great. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. got to beat the greats. He's Ric Flairing it, man. <laughs> Ric Flair, what? Jewel? <laughs> yeah, amigos. Obviously, Ric Flair drip. And on the other side of it, um, to finish up my my thought, is is the idea of a J.K. Simmons character who who is essentially a monster because that's what he is. He's a monster. Um, and he's he's him when he was younger. 
And he's taken all that anger and all that rage and all that obsession to become this world-renowned, you know, jazz orchestrator, musician, composer. Like he's just a master, master type of guy. And he uses that power and that clout and that fame to kind of judge other people in a very, uh, you know, he's, he's subverting their successes. He's making people think who they're top shit, making them feel like little shit. Uh, and that's the way that J.K. Simmons walks around in this movie is just this complete power over everyone else because he's like, I'm better than you. I'm better than you at this. I'm better than you at that. And it's like that's how he walks around because he's, he feels like superior to other people that are around him, uh, which is incredibly fascinating and inc incredibly frustrating because RB3, I already cussed before, but I'm going to cuss a lot on this podcast uh -huh. because my entire time watching this movie, bro, mm. I'm Miles Teller. So mm. I'm like... Man, fuck you, bro. <laughs> That's my reaction to J.K. Simmons' character. Yeah. Because the entire time, I'm like, you're a dick, bro. You're an asshole. <laughs> so if I were in my, my shoes, and my, every time Miles Teller wants to say that, I say it. <laughs> As I'm watching the movie, I'm like, man, fuck you, man. Because <laughs> uh, he's a dick in this movie. Yeah, J.K. Simmons, Simmons, man. Yeah. But it's it's that, too, like, back going back and forth. This, this competitive nature between the young... Up and coming, up and coming trainee versus the older veteran master. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that's why this movie is so good, so freaking good. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely adore this movie. Uh, from the second I watched it, I mean, you know, th th this is you talk about a character study. I mean, this is kind of the definition of a character study, right? Mm. And it's all um, pr centrally focused on um, the POV through the Miles Teller character. Uh, I can't remember his exact name. Um, but, uh, you know, and that, I mean, you know, and that, that in and of itself, I mean, you even see, you know, throughout this entire movie, there's not a scene in this movie that Andrew's not in because it's completely, you're completely behind him the entire time. I was going to say you remembered his name. Yeah. Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. And that's, that's what, I, okay, cool, cool, cool. Ah, damn. I, yeah. I think it just came up because I, I definitely think that what this movie does great at is establishing the ruthlessness of of J.K. Simmons, how much he yells at. I mean, I just know Andrew because I all I hear in my head is Andrew. Like anytime I watch this movie, because J.K. Simmons does not hold back, and it's you know it's the whole deconstruction of the master versus the apprentice relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times in real life, it is that abusive. It is that oh, we yes. have somebody who's that high of a power, who's somebody who aspires to be like that. That's yeah. how people are willing to take that abuse to, to get to the top. Dude, think about college football. Mm. I mean, think about mm -hmm. college sports in general. I mean, the mm -hmm. abuse of power. We we see that so many times. There's even reports on stuff where the NCAA is investigating stuff of like how abusive college coaches, college scouts. Because the whole the whole idea is demasculating. Demasculating? De, 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 de Am I saying that correctly? Mm. I don't know. But 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 like taking taking that alpha mentality away from somebody yeah. and, and putting them in complete control. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ma making them, breaking them, and, and making them put themselves back together. And not just that, but creating a system around it where, where it's just this giant uh, circle and this giant bubble um, where everything is is just so naturally brushed under the rug, mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, that's not true. That doesn't happen in real life. Otherwise, there would be reports on it. <laughs> you think these guys are going to report these? No. no way. If the if a professor is throwing shit across the room and mm -hmm. throwing stuff and yelling at you and screaming at you, 
you're gonna keep that shit quiet. (laughs) You're not gonna be like, well, he yelled at me. No, you're gonna keep it quiet. You're gonna keep it to yourself, and you're gonna try to impress him the next day. Like that's the same thing with college college coaches who are abusive or anything like that. The the system created around them is a system where there's never gonna be a report. Yeah, because people don't report that. Because we create these authority figures who we hold up to such high regards. Gods. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like if you no, you can't do that. So that's kind of the the narrative around this movie too, because it's the idea of like him reporting the abuse of this teacher, which again doesn't really happen as much, you know, in our world that we live in. Um, and and the idea of him reporting it, and the idea of now this crazy monster is literally chasing you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Michael Myers in a freaking Halloween movie mm-hmm. because he knows you reported on him. So now you're like, oh shit, he knows and he's going to kill me and he's going to kill my career before I even start. Yeah, Like that's a horror movie, man. Yeah. Like that's the level of whiplash hits. It hits like horror movie levels for me because that's what I imagine. Yeah, and, and it's realistic. And I imagine, yeah, I imagine being like 20 years old and being like, oh crap, I just you know, kick the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> and now the dragon's literally going to burn me yeah. and I'm done. Like, yeah. that's so scary. You never step on your own toes in this town. And, you know, thankfully, thankfully, uh, we, you know, at USC film school, we had an, an incident recently with a professor who flipped out. Uh, fortunately, that got reported, got all taken care of. I don't think the guy long, no longer works there. Um, but yeah, that's just, that's an example of, of, of shit that, that, that can happen at, at a university, uh, level absolutely yeah there's a lot of abuse that goes on that goes unreported and that people don't talk about i mean obviously i don't want to mention the huge one that that is you know the michigan state nature but that's oh, that's what right, happened michigan right. state is one that's huge right with the gymnastics team mm-hmm. there's the, oh yeah there's yeah. a penn state yeah. uh stuff that happened yeah, as well like yeah. every, the ohio state yeah. stuff that came out like a month ago yeah uh, literally a month ago the ohio state stuff that came out yeah. everything is brushed under the rug and that's why stuff i mean freaking Florida State with with Jameis Winston too mm-hmm. is a perfect mm-hmm. example too mm-hmm. that I, I I personally follow that story for a very long time when it happened like four years ago I think it was four years ago when mm-hmm. when Jameis was at Florida State and I was blown away by the reaction just I was blown away the fact that everyone was like nah what and I'm like bro this guy like legit raped a girl yeah. and we're like brushing it under the rug especially when it comes to athletes especially with the sexual assault stuff it's like. Yeah, um, but it goes body. all the way to the top. Yeah, it yeah. always does. Yeah, and that's what people always forget. They're like, this coach tells that coach, this coach tells the head coach, then the athletic director, and then the athletic director goes whoop, and it, it's one big circle, and it happens again. Yeah, it's all brushed under and, the rug. You know, especially with the athletes themselves. I mean, their their bodies are you know their 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 temples. They, they they rely on their bodies, so having that violated by person in power is very is very damaging um and for for whiplash you know uh for the physical torment that andrew himself endures to try and impress uh jk simmons the right? car scene too yeah the, the car, the car scene. accident well, i just i always think to me the most painful image is when he's like drumming and like his hands start bleeding like oh shit like and that's a real thing for a lot of jazz jazz drummers too right is how their hands really feel after that but yeah i mean being in a car accident trying to (laughs) rush to to get what you got to go that's also equally scary i mean that's just consequence of of trying to of of trying 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 to man now let's finish up by by calling out that ending because the ending is where 
the movie kind of reaches mm -hmm. its its full potential, I guess is what I can say, because mm -hmm. I can't lie, man, that scene is so epic. It's epic because it's the nature of being defeated by someone who's better than you. You've been bested by the master, right? Mm -hmm. And it's his idea of him retreating back to the arms of his father. Mm -hmm. And then right away, I love that scene because when my first time watching it, on my laptop, <laughs> mm -hmm. I was very much like, as soon as he's like, he kind of like steps away from his father, takes off his jacket, and he's like, man, fuck this. I'm going to fuck you up, bro. And I'm like, let's go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then he starts, da -da 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 -da. and I'm like, oh, shit. And mm -hmm. I'm literally like watching this movie, standing up on my desk. I mean, like uh, above from my desk because I was sitting down and I had to stand up because mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's about to go off. Like he's about to throw some hands. Uh, and that's his version of throwing hands. Like that's his him being defiant. That's him being like, oh, you want to challenge me? Let's go. And he mm -hmm. challenges him like one-on-one. -on -one. Right. And it's that nature of like they're they're – supporting each other but they're also fighting each other yeah <laughs> they're trying to kill each other by making the best music mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I i was like yo this is deep on mm -hmm. so many different levels i loved it i love the ending and i think it's great yeah no definitely one of the best endings uh in recent memory and i think it just goes to show what it, the kind of skill that damon giselle has uh as a director as a musical director especially yeah let's move on to one of my favorite movies <laughs> of the past decade, uh, a movie that I've been very unashamed of preaching, of screaming, of literally giving Scott Mance a million hugs about, and that is La La Land. Mm. Uh, La La Land is a movie that I adore. La La Land is a movie that um, really impacted me, and I absolutely love this movie. It was one of my favorite movies of the year. I think I put it number two or three that year. Uh, I think number two, but I forget which one I put number one anyways. Um, either way, La La Land is what made Damien Chazelle the name we know now. Mm. Because this is what got the, what was it, like 13 Oscar nominations? 11 Oscar nominations? So, yeah, 13. Was it either 11 it was, or 13? It was 14 maybe. I don't okay. know. Um, either way, this movie sure. got all these Oscar nominations. This movie got all the hype coming off. I think it was premiered at TIFF, but I might be wrong. I think so. Um, well, I know somebody... I'd, I remember I remember they sent out a screening for La La Land a year before it came out and I had the the pass I had it all signed up and ready to go I just didn't make it. Dang, man, that but, sucks. Yeah. Um but I remember the hype coming from this movie coming from people we know like Scott Mance, I like mm -hmm. other people that Scott were Scott Mance definitely. Alicia biggest, Malone was yeah. another one who was kind of hyping it up and I was like, "Oh damn, I'm ready for this." Mm -hmm. Um and it it's great, man. It's great all around because I love I mean the camera work is awesome. Uh, the musical numbers are awesome. The color in this movie is baller. It's gangster. Yeah. It's very in your face, and I love it. Mm -hmm. And the music in this movie is the one thing that people really didn't care for. A lot of people, at least I talked to, mm -hmm. at least a lot of people that I went to see the movie with, mm -hmm. who would counter me and would be like, bro, that movie, that music was trash. And I was like, oh, what movie did you see, man? I love yeah. that soundtrack. That soundtrack yeah. is like, I rock that stuff, man. Mm -hmm. I memorize those songs, and I love those songs. Yeah. Um, but all around, I really did feel like this movie was baller. I don't know what your take on it. I forget how much, if you loved it as much as I did or if you didn't. Yeah, no, I did. I still okay. love it. Yeah, I still okay. love it. I mean, I wrote a fucking whole article on uh, Shmo's website about how much I loved it. Ah, uh, yeah. And um, I mean, I still... I and still... did you give a Scott Mance high fives about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, gave me, he gave me one of the mini Oscars, uh, the best friend, one of the best yeah, friend Oscars. Yeah, yeah. All La Landers for life. But... I was a La Lander with him too, man. Hey, man. That's why I'm wearing, rapping the L.A. today, L.A. hat. Hey, you know what I mean? Hey. L.A. also for the Dodgers, of course, playing today. Uh, but I got to say to you, man, I'm going to start out with a hot take. Mm. I'm going to start out with a hot take. What's that? I don't even know if I should say it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think it deserved the Oscar, man. For Best Picture? I was, I was rooting for it. To just, yeah. Okay. 
I think it deserved the Oscar. Um, I think that, I mean, I think... Uh, we both we, saw Moonlight together, by did. the way. We did. And we've had this debate. And we, I know. <laughs> but it still bubbles me out, bro. Because I'm like, wait a minute. I liked it more than you did. Well, yeah, I mean, you liked it. And now it. I like, I, I like, I didn't love it. I was like, oh, it was pretty good. And you were like, nah, man. And I was like, what? <laughs> that was your reaction to Moonlight. I didn't say, nah, I didn't say nah, man. Yeah, you I did. No, nah, I, I had different You were like, Mahershala Ali was dope, and that was it. No, I, was like, I didn't say oh, that. Oh, shit. Nah, nah, you said that. You said <laughs> I that. did say that. Yeah, <laughs> you said that. Jesus. I, 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 I said Mahershala Ali was the best part of the movie, and he was in it for like two minutes. Yeah, yeah. My expectations were different for Moonlight than yeah. when I saw it, but... Uh, but Every time I think of Moonlight now, I think of uh, uh, Excess Tentation. Moonlight. Uh, uh, Carnival yeah. with a Moonlight. Hey, <laughs> hey, RIP. Uh, he was, on, he was on Lil Wayne's album too, man. She yeah. Was, she was yeah. I love, uh, I love XX, man. And it's crazy how I got into him right when he <laughs> got killed. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Hey, man. It's nutty. Like, well, it's re- it really is gnarly. It's very controversial, yeah, too. Yeah, very so. controversial. Yeah. Um, um, either way. La La Land. La La Land. <laughs> Moonlight. Moonlight. Okay, so again, I I was still I'll still contend I like La La Land more. Like I will watch La La Land any time of the day more than yeah. I'll watch Moonlight any time of the day. Uh, I still think Moonlight's the better movie though. Uh objectively speaking, you know, oh, like I don't from, agree. I from don't agree. from an editing from an editing I just like just from an editing standpoint, don't you think that the scene where 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 uh where the second character, Sh- Sh- was he Chiron at that point? I think so. I think it was Chiron at that point. When he's, when he, right before he gets ready, hit the dude with the chair, he's like walking through the school and he's like busting through the, the doors, like, you know, the different rooms and through the doors. You don't think just that editing in that scene alone was better than a lot of the editing we saw in La La Land? Or maybe not better, but at least, I don't know, you know? And it, it was good. It, it, I'm not going to say it wasn't good. I don't know. I think the editing, I think the cinematography for what they were doing for the story in Moonlight was a lot more impactful for the story. The, the style of La La Land is a lot more stylized, of course. Like, the style is bigger. It's grander. It's supposed to, you know, La La Land is essentially a, a modern-day remake of Singing in the Rain, you know? Um, but I think Moonlight, for the elements of storytelling that it was trying to go for, the narrative devices that it was trying to implicate, I think just overall, I just think it was a, it was a better movie. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I mean, don't agree. No, I mean, for best for me, for best picture... For best picture, I'm definitely glad Moonlight won more than La La Land. Sure. Just on the fact that, you know, I, I don't really love the idea of keep handing Hollywood movies, you know, best picture, whatever, whatever, you know? Sure. Um, That's a good point. It, yeah. it was very much like a Hollywood, I don't want to say, well, I was going to say it anyways, Hollywood jerk off. But yeah, that's kind of yeah. what it was. But see, I, but even, even when La La Land came out, I still made, to, I still contend to this day, it's not the same kind of traditional Hollywood movie that, like we, that, they're, the Oscars are usually handing out Oscars to is very much a new age sure. type. It's it's by a young per, it's by a young a, pers- a young person for young people. But uh, that's what La La Land he, is. Here's what I'll say, just because we can go on and on and on, and we will about how much we love this movie, La La Land. But I, I kind of want to talk about this whole Oscar thing and the Oscar run too, because during the end of the year, December of 2016, it got kind of like a weird smear campaign going on. Yeah, La La Land did, and yeah, I, and back, I, yeah backlash, yeah. backlash, yeah. and I was very much like kind of taken aback from it because I, again, I'm coming from a point of view of a fan, and I'm like, yo, everyone's hype on this movie, La La Land's the shit, what's up? And I went home for Christmas and to show this movie to my parents to go watch it with them, and I went and watched it, watched it with my parents, they loved it, and then the following year. Uh, I went and saw it again with my brother because he hadn't seen it. And I was like hype on it. And that's when the smear campaign was starting to happen during like late December, early January. 
talking about like, yo, La La Land is whack, bro. And I was like, what? What's going on? Like, what's what's this smear campaign? Like, it was like La La Land is whack. The music is trash, and it's white as fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was kind of the smear campaign in general. Those three points. Yeah. And I'm like, oh dang, there's a smear campaign going on. But it was kind of that whole nature of like, man, this is just some, you know. Crazy white people dancing in the street. It <laughs> ain't even that cool. Yeah, I and, mean, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. not what I got from it. Yeah, that's just me. I, I didn't feel the smear campaign was was worth it. Was credited. The backlash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't feel like it was a necessary backlash because I was like, maybe, but I still think it was dope. I don't know. Yeah, no, nah, I, uh, I mean, backlash wise, I mean, yeah, the, the the biggest backlash was the race thing, right? It was, um, especially when the optics are. Moonlight, all black cast, you know, black director, black writer, black editor. And this black uh, white, white couple who's trying to save <laughs> jazz from the black people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These LA. black people are trying to make jazz into mainstream music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's But just, the white man's going to come in and be like, yo, jazz is not supposed to be mainstream, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> teaching yeah, especially John, when John teaching Legend. John yeah. Legend <laughs> is like, yo, John, 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 hold up, John. <laughs> I know you're trying to tell me what jazz is, but I'm Ryan Gosling, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's why that's why I loved his SNL uh, uh, oh, monologue the, that I've told you a million yeah, times Ryan, about. Ryan, Ryan Gosling's because one. he's so self-aware about it. Yeah. He was like, hey, man, I just got to tell you guys, I saved jazz, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, especially... Like, that's some top-level shit, bro. And yeah, then he comes I mean, out with a piano and he starts playing it. Yeah. And he's like, man, before me, jazz was in trash, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and the piano starts playing itself. Yeah. And he's just smoking. <laughs> Nah, yeah, it's great. Nah. I love that sketch, man, for SNL. Nah, yeah, um, but yeah, that was kind of the backlash of it was like this idea of like these two white people coming in and being like, yo, jazz. Nah, let me mm -hmm. teach you what jazz really is about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, especially, you know, uh, with I mean, I always kind of thought that I always kind of think it's a problem when uh I don't know. I, I just don't like when movies are like, oh, this new music is so trash. Like, like, oh, man, this new style of music, like how they clearly are like. And again, like I get like the whole I mean, the, the start of Firestone is not a great song, but it's, it's a pop oh, song. I like that song. It's actually it's a better song than like most of what plays yeah. on the radio. Definitely. Um, but it's just it's just funny how like that is. That is what's seen as, oh, this is the opposition. This is what we have to fight against. Like, same thing with A Star is Born, man. I think A Star is Born did, like, the same. Again, I'm... Oh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole, like, oh, pop music. Why don't you music. do that, do that, do that, yeah. do that, do that? I can't lie. I was like, oh. Uh, I was, I was on Bradley Cooper's side, bro. <laughs> no, man. I, I was. Like I oh, was. I, oh, I hate it. I hated that Lady Gaga. Because to I, me... I, I, was on, I was on his side because I was like, oh, that song. But they do made that, it. Do that, do well, that, nah, do that, okay, do that to me. Yeah. That, 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 was a, that was a shitty song but they, I was they, like this is a shitty song they essentially made Lady Gaga be Lady Gaga they for, did <laughs> which to me I didn't like because I, I, kinda, I love the old Lady Gaga way more than like the new Lady Gaga I thought it was a funny so, scene though where he's all like oh, so, uh, I just gotta tell you honey he's like what what what's wrong and he's like I don't know why are you talking about them ass and them jeans <laughs> <laughs> I laughed I was like what uh, nah. and she's like what what are you talking about and he's like I was like Man, some Jim Jeans. <laughs> like, what's that about? What are you trying to say? Bradley Cooper in that movie had the single best voice I think I've ever he did. heard in he my really did. Like, oh, man. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like freaking I Am Group. 
bro. Because like, I don't know what you're saying. She's like, uh-huh, yeah. Well, my honey's trying to say. <laughs> when, uh, um, when, when uh, Bradley Cooper is Sam Elliott or yeah. that was really, I was like, yeah. Well, there's the one scene where I literally think he didn't say anything. <laughs> like, there's one scene where I think they did it on purpose. Yeah. Where Bradley was like, all right, I'm going I'm to really do it. And he's literally like, no, I'm trying to come to her. And that's all he says. And the audience laughed because I was like, yeah, you didn't say anything, bro. Oh, man, I swear. I just, oh, I want to make a tweet about it. Like, Bradley Cooper, blah, 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 blah. Oscar audiences, give him the gold. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to. <laughs> he should do his whole Oscar speech like that. Uh, yeah. Either way, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, especially yeah. when it comes to like that. Like that's what they're saying that's too mainstream. It's like, yeah. bro, this is not even mainstream. Yeah, uh, yeah especially so, when it's a black artist, John Legend. And then going back to Moonlight thing, we never actually ended up finishing like <laughs> we're comparing it to Moonlight and, and Lala. But yeah, the, the optics of that whole Oscar race just looked bad, you know? Like, it did. Uh, yeah. So definitely the the bias. Uh, for me, I, I thought the music was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I... You know, and we were talking about the backlash of, you know, the singing. I think particularly people have problems singing, with singing. Yeah. yeah, That's what I meant. Um, and, you know, for me, I much prefer that actors are bad singers than singers who dub. Yeah, who, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather see some average-ass singing than dubbing. Yeah. I hate dubbing. Or even singing. worse, I'd rather see a, a great actor do a musical than a great singer who can't act, you know? Because uh, I think that's been a big problem that Hollywood <laughs> just can't seem to get over. Sure. Um, I think Gaga was great in, in A Star is Born. There you go. Um, but, I, you know, she had acting experience before. That's true. Um, but whereas I just don't think that more, more times than not, it just doesn't work for me. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much positive in this movie. It, it really is one of those movies that, that just had a big impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, it, the music was great. The feel of it was great. The callbacks to it, it was throwback to like old school musicals while still being a modern musical, while yeah. still having singing elements. Singing the Rain. Singing the Rain is the biggest, I think, American yeah. influence. Yeah, while still having moments of a modern musical, while still being out of side, outside of reality, while still being somewhat in reality. I loved it. I loved how it was straddling the edge of like a musical, a classic musical, uh, 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 in reality, out, out of reality kind of musical. I loved it. I, 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 a lot of people criticized that too. They were like, oh, it, did, it didn't know what it wanted to be. And I was like, oh, I, that was my favorite part of it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of, that was a criticism that I heard a lot. It was like, oh, La La Land didn't know what it wanted to be, or old or new or what? What are you trying to... And I was like, oh, that's what made it cool. It was a hybrid. Yeah. You know, it was like a throwback while still being modern, while having new original music. Mm-hmm. I, I, I adored this movie. Um, Emma Stone is a treasure. I'm watching Maniac right now. I just finished it last night on Netflix. Mm. Uh, I, I watched think the first episode. She, uh, I think she's a treasure, man. I, I I think she's a gangster. She's dope. And we saw Birdman recently for for Inarito. Yeah, um, and and even her in that movie, she's a gangster in that movie too. I was like, mm-hmm. shit, she's dope. Like she's just dope. Yeah. Uh, and I think she's dope. I think uh, Ryan Gosling is is a cool homie. And I like Ryan Gosling. <laughs> cool. I, I I do. I think he's a cool guy. I like him a lot. Hey. Um, and and even though he's City of Stars, <laughs> <laughs> City of Stars, he's like Bradley Cooper going to the seriously, bro. <laughs> I'm like project, 
project, <laughs> Brian, project. That's me the whole movie as I'm watching it, as a musical guy that I am. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he's like, <laughs> he's like super quiet. Yeah. Uh, during his singing. Yeah, that's how he is. <laughs> but either way, man, uh, that's kind of my, my last thing on this movie is the fact that it, it balances so many different things and it really painted an interesting picture of like the modern Hollywood tale while yeah. still being a throwback to a classic musical. Yeah, no, it, it wears its influences on its sleeves, I definitely think, and I think it it, it uh, intentionally is very much em- emulates, you know, Singing in the Rain, like you said, uh, Umbrellas of Chuchura, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of these um, musicals that, mm-hmm. that Jamie and Giselle has loved over the years. Um, but it also takes it to like a postmodern extent to, to, a certain, to a certain extent too. It does. It is very, it's a little subversive. It is a little... Like takes takes his. I think I think what I think where I think a lot of people's main criticism is that the old time Philly stuff is taken from like the the singing of rings, like the American musical, whereas his version of his version of subversion comes from uh, like the the old French New Wave approach, uh, particularly with umbrellas of of Chuchu and and all these other uh, French New Wave inspired movies. So he is kind of drawing from two different older influences and smashing them together a lot of people don't like that i think it's really cool i, I think, think that's, that's awesome yeah yeah and you're yeah. right a lot of people didn't like that and i yeah. loved it yeah i think that's i mean i think that's what i think to a certain extent i i almost appreciate older you know newer filmmakers doing that more because uh a lot of times newer newer moviegoers and newer movie fans won't have the same kind of introduction or knowledge to those movies um without la la land if uh, you know otherwise um so yeah, I mean, and you know, a lot of people say you know some of the framing and and La La Land is a little weird. Some of the colors are a little off. Some people said you know Damien Giselle, Giselle is a little more of a sloppier director than a lot of people like to give him credit for. Um, I disagree with that criticism. I think that as a director, he's someone who um, cares less about the perfections and kind of highlights the imperfections to highlight the flaws of like the characters. And I think he does that in Whiplash as well. Um, to a certain extent, kind of playing off of the Miles Teller like idea and persona of what Miles Teller represents, and kind of plays off that into, and builds into his character. Yeah, I, um, I think everything he does to. is very specific and overt in what he's trying to do, especially when it comes to the camera work. Right? I mean, yeah. obviously, his name is what Linus Linus something. Uh, I can't remember. Um, yeah, but I think that's. I think and he won Best DP that year. Yeah, Best Cinematography. Too. And I give it to him, man. I thought it was dope. I thought I liked what he was trying to do with the tracking shots, with the wonders, with the camera whips. Everyone, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't like those camera whips. Mm-hmm. I love those camera whips. Oh, another day of sun. We got to talk about that, man. I mean, that's, that, that's, that, that's the hardest opening. That goes hard. Uh, sequence. And yeah. I drive I, I I drive on that intersection 105, 110. And do you sing very, it every time you regularly. pass by? And I, I usually try and play it when I'm... When oh, I'm, uh, man. It's another day of sun. No, yeah. I'm not going to sing. But that that to me is... That to me is... That's a hard that's a hard way of opening a movie. I, I love it. I love... Uh, very accurate, too. I love uh, Someone in the Crowd. I think that's dope. Someone in the Crowd. Uh, yeah. Someone in the Crowd can be the one you're looking for. That yeah. one. I love... Um, uh, Emma audition. Stone's audition. Yeah, I freaking man, I love that song, yeah. man. I yeah. love that. And that song, I think, highlights the underlying thing because she talks about this aunt who, you know, she mentions it before in the movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, to me, I kind of read it as the aunt being kind of the metaphor, the overarching metaphor for creativity, who yeah. she draws her inspiration from. Yeah. Um, she, she, you know, and particularly in the song, she talks about how. 
like uh, you know, she like her 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 she stayed in Paris and then mm-hmm. kind of saw this new life, but uh, drowned in, in the alcohol from not, you know, for for wanting to live something you know outside yeah. of the norm. And it's just it's just interesting that that her that whole metaphor of creativity of what binds us of what fuels us to try and get into this uh, horrible. It's <laughs> horrible industry. It of is, film. yeah. Um, I, I love the line. She leapt without looking. She leapt without looking. Right. Um, I love that line. I was like, yeah, that's that's kind of what she's trying to say throughout the entire movie. Right. Leaping without looking. Mm-hmm. It's the idea of not having certainty, but still kind of risking everything mm-hmm. to do what you want to do. Yeah. And I love it. I, I, it. I love how cliche it is. It's so cliche. Yeah. I adore it. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those are my thoughts. What about you, RB3? Your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, Wildland's dope. Yeah. Wildland's gangster, man. All right, guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our episode on Damien Chazelle. Let us know what is your favorite movie. Let us know what's your favorite moment of La La Land. Or ask us a question specifically about whether it be the Oscar race, whether it be about First Man, about anything you want in general. Let us know in the comments down below, and we will be reading it on next week's episode. Either way, guys, from the Media Death Podcast, I am Ace. This is RB3. And we are peacing out. Peace out, guys.